millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Orton was involved in some kind of magic motorcycle accident back in 2008. And what I mean by that, while sooner rather than later it did turn out it did happen, around about the time of SummerSlam, people were going, well, I think he was involved in this, but I can't find any information on it. So us idiot fans were like, what the flub is going on? It was legit though. And the only reason he didn't die, they said, is because he was wearing a helmet. So for goodness sake, people, if you are going to be doing anything like that, please wear your brain protective hats. Nobody wants you to come to any harm. Over here in the UK too, we were deciding that some of WWE's content was a little bit edgy. Because when the tape was sent from WWE HQ to Sky, they saw one particular segment between Vicky Guerrero and Edge and went, nope, we're not airing that. And do you want to know what it was? Should well, it's not funny, but it was Edge tipping Vicky Guerrero out of a wheelchair. Yeah, that'll do it. Otherwise, there were plenty of rumors that Sid Justice was about to return to the WWE. And while that didn't happen in 2008, it would happen in 2012. And as for SummerSlam 2008, I thought it was pretty good. It hit 477,000 buys on pay-per-view. It did around about 16,500 people in the arena. And the poster had Maria riding on a jet ski. No, I don't know why either. What I do know is that my name is Simon Miller and welcome to Retro Ups and Downs and let's up those down for SummerSlam 2008. Well, what do you know? A match that opened up SummerSlam 2008 could actually take place in WWE right now. I mean, I don't know what that says about the state of things, but it was MVP taking on Jeff Hardy. And I watched this and kind of went, yeah, I'd take that again in 2021 because I'm a strange, strange man. The internet also informed me that during this, Jeff was suffering from an infected elbow, which makes it even more crazy, because does he work any differently here? No, he doesn't. He's just throwing himself around the place. And I was like, Jeff, would you calm down? You have an injury and you're just going to get hurt. I actually did this too, because again, weird, weird man. But at one point, he just goes crashing into the turnbuckle after a belly-to-belly, and that was disgusting. And essentially, the whole story of this is that MVP has an answer for every single thing that Jeff Hardy throws at him. And if you also said to me, Simon, do you think this was these two wrestlers sending a message to the office? I would say yes. And then you would go, would it work? And I would go, no. I mean, both would leave the company soon after this for different reasons. And because it is WWE and they've been doing the same thing since the dinosaurs roamed the earth, Shelton Benjamin just walks out the end. And Jeff Hardy is so distracted, he goes, right now I'm going to throw myself onto you. And then by the time he goes to the Swanton Pom, MVP gets out the way. He hits 
whatever his move was called. I can't remember now. Let's call it the MVP driver. It wasn't called that, but he hits it all the same and he gets the win. The drive-by, that's what it was called, the drive-by. And once again, this era gets such a bad rap but at the moment, it's really lighting up my life. Right, okay, what comes next? I totally understand the thought process behind it. In the sense, if you tried to explain it to a non-wrestling fan, they would slap you because it's really, really stupid. But it is Santina Morella and Beth Phoenix taking on Mickey James and Kofi Kingston. And the stipulation is, whoever wins here will become both the women's and the intercontinental champion. Meaning, you cannot be involved in the fall and you still get the gold. Kofi and Mick were the champs here, and I think WWE knew this was pure comedy because it only goes five minutes. But here's the secret that we're gonna lower our voices and I will talk to you about now. I kind of enjoyed it. For one, Santino has started to groan in his unibrow, which just makes him look like some kind of stupid idiot villain. But also, his relationship with Beth Phoenix is absolutely brilliant. Like, they have a bunch of on-screen chemistry, especially because the roles are reversed here. Beth Phoenix is like the leader going, man, what the hell is wrong with you? And Santina Morella wouldn't say boo to a goose. Phoenix also lost it with Maria beforehand during a promo. And no, if you're interested, Maria wasn't on her jet ski here. And later on, when Santino gets into a bit of bother, and he jumps into Beth's arms. Once again, I was laughing. I know, I shouldn't like support this goofiness, but I really like goofy stuff. Even the finish tied into this because Mickie James just socks Santino Morella right in the face, but that means she's not looking at Beth Phoenix who sneaks in, hits the glam slam, gets the one, gets the two, and gets the three, which means yes, she's now the women's champion and Santino has the IC belt. The best bit too though is that Santino has no idea what's happened. Like he comes to afterwards before he celebrates like he's won the damn lottery. And Beth Phoenix is so good at kind of hating him but loving him at the same time. Honestly, even wrestlers today could look back at this from a character perspective and go, well, I should borrow some of that. I mean, if I had tuned in here, I honestly would have thought that Santino Morella had just been granted a lifetime supply of cheesecake. So I give this a round of applause for them being given what was actually nonsense and turning it into something that was damn entertaining. Up. We get quite the famous skit next and kind of ties into the fact that in 2008, WWE cared way more about pay-per-view buy rates than they did about TV because they basically put a raw segment onto SummerSlam by Jove it worked. But out came Shawn Michaels with his wife Rebecca who told us after speaking to countless doctors he had been advised to retire. He had pushed it too hard, his career was over, there was no going back and after thinking about it he had decided you know what, I can't find my smile I think I'll do it. Michaels then sells all this like don't cry for me Argentina because it's actually a wonderful decision. I mean look at the career I did have which is when Chris Jericho interrupts and man is he pissed off. Because these two had fallen out a while back and Jericho still thought that he wasn't getting enough credit because Shawn Michaels wasn't retiring based on years and years of being thrown around the place. He was retiring because Chris Jericho had flubbed up his eye and somewhere in the future, Rey Mysterio was like, wait, what's going on? Because Jericho is insane here. He's all like, you must say these words to me. So the heartbreak kid goes, yeah, all right, it is because of that, you absolute loon. And you know what I'm going to tell my kids? It was some crazy crackpot like you that forced me into all of this. And every time they see you on TV, they're going to go boo. Michaels also tells Chris Jericho that he's a man of no worth. And thinking to himself, why have I eviscerated him enough? He goes to leave the ring, which is when Y2J is like, nah, you ain't going to do that. He goes to punch him, he misses, 
and he clocks Rebecca right in the face. Now this was good anyways because everybody sold it like it wasn't meant to happen, but as it turned out in the real world, Chris Jericho had put way too much energy into this and he'd actually clocked her for real. This means Jericho is selling it like something has absolutely gone wrong and that's doubly true because it has. And this was even better when we got to Raw because there's Rebecca and she's got a massive lip. So we're all sitting there going, well, that's either some really good makeup or Chris Jericho legitimately just punched her in the face. That doesn't seem very kosher to me. You also get this great moment when Shawn Michaels is like, well, I want to kill you, but I need to attend to my poor wife who may be dead. And honestly, all this is absolutely great. And while I never want anybody to get hurt for real, it does add so much more to this angle, which means when they fought soon after this, it was even better still. I don't even have to think about this one. It gets it up. And I suppose because all of that did go so long, Mark Henry versus Matt Hardy for the ECW title only gets 30 seconds. And I kind of get it. I mean, something had to suffer. And this was back when pay-per-views never went three hours, or that was it, a push, but it's getting it down. This was also rubbish, because as soon as Matt Hardy had hit the twist of fate, then Mark Henry manager Tony Atlas just grabs the referee, pulls him out of the ring, meaning this was a disqualification. And look at me just stare off into the distance. I was not a happy pup. WWE knew what reaction this would get to, which is why Jeff Hardy just runs out, because they knew he would get cheers, especially because everyone could go, oh my gosh, the Hardy boys are back together. I can't believe it. I mean, if you're going to do something that you're aware is going to get a bad reaction, maybe just don't do that bad reaction thing to begin with. And I mean, what do I know? Absolutely nothing but it stands to reason. We then get a very nice window into yesteryear because the World Heavyweight Championship is on the line and it's JBL going after none other than CM Punk and CM Punk in 2008 and then seeing him in 2021 is getting up. And I totally get that Bradshaw is a controversial character, but he did know how to be an asshole heel. So when you put him in the ring against someone like CM Punk that can tell stories, well, you do get a very good wrestling match. It's also hilarious to see CM do a dive here because everyone's like, oh my God, he did a dive. Whereas today it's just user's traditional move. There's so many good bits of this too, including Punk going for a springboard and JBL catching him and slamming his ass. And then you get this one move that is just a catalog of errors, even though actually nothing goes wrong. Because CM Punk goes for a kick and he's able to hit Bradshaw, but the way he falls down, the way that JBL falls, mean they basically clonk together, and by the time CM Punk is back on his feet, he is just pouring down with blood, and you wanna watch this over and over and over again, and it's like two plus two equals potato, it just doesn't make any sense. Fair play to Bradshaw too, because he's all of a sudden going like, oh, my fingers, and he's wibbling and he's wobbling, but this actually turns out to be a cell, so I was like, oh man, that mother hubbard. Otherwise, this is just a well put together match based on the fact that even though CM Punk was the champion, management had a very specific position for him, and sooner rather than later he does hit the GTS, and he gets the one, two, three. If you want to get really mad here though, you can, because if you listen and use your ears, back in 2008, you could already hear the love that everybody has for CM Punk, and you can also hear those chants, CM Punk, CM Punk, and what did WWE decide to do? Take their hand and just push him down and down and down. So, flub those guys, why the hell would we listen to our audience? But we know how this ends, so we don't need to worry about it now. And then, it is Triple H versus the great Carly. Or at least that's what you'd think I'd say, and I'm certainly not telling you to go and watch this. In fact, I'm actively telling you not to watch it, 
go and get an ice cream instead and just lick that for the rest of the day. But given this was Carly, who we know was limited as best, fair play to Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who clearly put all this together. It is so, so smart. As ever, the game just went back to the olden days to construct this and said, well, look, he's really big. I'm not so big. So he should treat me like my daddy while I should be like his son. I mean, he didn't think like that at all because that would be really creepy. But the point was the dude is too massive. So Triple H didn't know what he was going to do. It's a shame it's for the WWE title because obvious reasons, but it only goes 10 minutes and basically is situated around the fact that great Carly keeps doing that head squishing move and it kind of does work. Now, I do have one problem with it, because surely the point of grabbing someone's head and going is that you want it to explode. And I want to be that guy, but that's never going to happen in wrestling. So after a while, you're like, dude, this is a giant waste of time. Why don't you go do something else? You also get the crowd chanting, you can't wrestle to the great Carly. And I just want to say I take umbrage to that. He can wrestle. It's not very well. There's also a big tease throughout the pedigree and everyone's like, you're not going to be able to do that. Triple H, the great Carly is too big. And then he just does it. But really, would you want much more before that? Do you really want to sit any longer through the great Carly and Triple H? I'm going to guess no. But they get it done. It tells a good story. And it's entirely inoffensive. I mean, far less so than I was imagining. To the point, I'm going to give it up. The video package for this too is hilarious. Because it's just Carly going, trying to squeeze Triple H's head. Like eventually he's going to go pop and put it on his own body. Don't pretend that can't happen. I saw a movie about it. This also means both of our world title matches are done on SummerSlam, even though we have two matches yet to go. And I do kind of get that because they're going to involve John Cena, Batista, Edge and The Undertaker. But it still does make you scratch your head a little bit and go, well, maybe this is why nobody really cares about WWE titles anymore. Part of these is indeed John Cena versus Batista in our, oh my gosh, who's going to be the face of the company match. And when I see this, all I can ask myself is what the hell would have happened if Brock Lesnar hadn't abandoned WWE in 2004? Surely one of these guys would have suffered... I think the answer is yes. We're not going to do that whole, oh, we'll never know thing because we do know. Look at how WWE treats Brock Lesnar right now. Vince McMahon could find out that Brock Lesnar had been having sex with Linda McMahon and he would still push him to the moon. I regret saying that too. Sometimes these things just come out of my mouth. I don't want to imagine Brock Lesnar having sex with Linda McMahon. Let's just move on. Right. Where were we? Yes. John Cena versus Batista. Obviously, John Cena gets booed right away. And there's no way that Big Dave didn't expect this because he is busting out jackhammers just to get on side with the fans. Batista also uses a figure four leg lock, which is more confusing than me doing this face. I mean, why the hell did I just do it? And after John Cena gets out of that, he AAs Batista over the top rope. But then, oh no, his knee goes apparently that submission did its job. This is classic John Cena selling too, which is just so over the top. Like if he dropped to his knees and went, ah, I'm in so much pain. You just totally buy it. And somehow his face turns into clay. I don't get how he does it. I think we did this too because we wanted to tell the story that both guys are submission experts. But kiss my ass, WWE. No one is going to believe that. But the reason I say it is that soon after this, John Cena goes to the STFU. And once again, it's one of those STFUs where you could fit a bus in the gap between John Cena's arms and the other guy's chin. And I understand it's meant to be a worked professional wrestling move, but come on, just draw it in a little bit. Batista obviously gets to the ropes, but the first thing he does when he is free is apply a face lock to John Cena. So like, what's going on? You think you're Bret Hart? 
Is that what you think? I tell you right now, you're not Bret Hart. Clearly, they then realize they are pushing their luck because they're doing the whole, I'm going to punch you, yay. You're going to punch me, boo, spot. Do you know what John Cena does after this? He climbs to the top rope. He does a missile dropkick. John Cena, man, he was just desperate to be loved and you turned your back on him. So he just goes flying through the air as he's desperate to be cheered. It goes completely wrong because he misses. I was just laughing. It's like finding your ex-girlfriend and telling her this amazing speech and giving her a box of chocolates. She just smashes them out of your hand and they go all over the floor. You're just gonna be sad. It's also set up so Dave can hit the Batista bomb, but oh my gosh, John Cena kicks out. And of course, the reason we did that is so Batista can hit another Batista bomb. And kind of surprisingly, even in 2021, get the win. The commentators also said it like, oh, it's because Cena did that stupid move from the top rope. Why the hell is he up there to begin with? Which was quite a good story. It's pretty good. I also massively enjoyed it though, because you do have two of the biggest stars in WWE and you just get a finish. Plus they put a narrative in there, but there's no shenanigans and no count outs and no distractions. There's no DQs. So seriously, WWE, go back in time and watch your own flipping product and you'll be able to learn a thing or two. Which means our aforementioned Edge versus The Undertaker match is our main event. And in case you don't know, these guys were just feuding throughout 2008. And sometimes the world title was on the line and we had all these stipulations. And honestly, they never dropped the ball once. They'd also done everything else. So this one was being contested in a hell in a cell. And the best thing about this story is in around about June, it was Edge versus The Undertaker. And if The Undertaker lost, he'd be banished from the WWE. He did lose, so he was banished before he made his comeback in July. He didn't even go eight weeks. Who cares about stipulations? Edge had also started to lose his mind at this point as he became more of this deranged, rated R superstar character, which is why in the opening here, he is just flubbing the Undertaker up. Like he's using the steel steps, he's throwing Undertaker's face into the steel, he spears them into him, and the whole time it's like, Undertaker, stay down, stay down. You're like, man, Edge, you gotta go have some sleep. You also get chairs, and because in 2008, WWE always looking at ways to escalate these things, Edge also gets a ladder, but this means he climbs Climbs up the ladder, Undertaker is laying on a table, and Edge drops an able through all that carnage. And you're like, this is the Undertaker he's doing this to, which is why 2008 was such a great year for Edge. Edge then proceeds to basically murder the Undertaker, which does kind of tell you who's going to win by the end of the night. But honestly, he is standing on the ECW announce table. So Edge runs over the Raw one, he runs over the SmackDown one, before he spears the dead man through all this carnage. I mean, it made me go well, like Owen Wilson. Straight after this too, he just punches the Fina right in the dick. And imagine that, imagine you were the Undertaker, you'd be like, just great. This guy has charged at me and he's plowed me through some wood and then he decided, well, I'm going after his testicles. It then goes huge big moves after this when Taker finally gets back on his feet and choke slams Edge through two tables, because why the hell would you do one? And then the Undertaker spears Edge. And if you would like to know my thoughts on the Undertaker doing spears, well, I don't think he should ever do it again. And then it gets all weird because the dead man goes, and now we're gonna go to hell like he's about to take Edge on the world's worst day trip. But to be fair, he does hit him with a camera. He does hit him with a concerto, and then he finishes him off with a tombstone. So yeah, that kind of sucked. So hell probably would have hurt a lot less, especially because right after this, Edge starts getting back to his feet. So the Undertaker said, you shouldn't have done that boy. And he starts going back to the ring. Cause he gets back in there. He takes Edge to the top of the ladder and he chokeslams him to the point Edge goes crashing through the canvas 
as as always, the commentators tell us, oh no, Ed, he's been joke slammed to hell. And as ever, we need to sit down and have a chat about this. That is not hell. Do you think hell exists underneath the WWE ring? He just landed on some concrete, probably surrounded by kendo sticks. Let's not pretend that this match and angle isn't great though. And it's something you can go back to time and time again and you always get something different from it. It is a very worthy main event to the point of just getting it up. As always, before I leave you, I shall let you know what Dave Meltzer thought about it in the Wrestling Observer newsletter in case you do disagree with me. Maybe you'll agree more with him. MVP versus Hardy got three stars. The mixed tag match got one and three quarter stars. Hardy versus Henry got no ratings. It was given no time at all. Punk versus JBL got three and a quarter stars. I mean, Triple H versus Carly got one and a half stars, which says something. Batista versus Cena got three and three quarter stars, and that main event got a whopping four and a half stars. But seriously, if you've never seen SummerSlam 2008, you should go and watch it. I had an absolute riot watching this, as I did watching last week's Raw Rumble 2007. This is just a good era for WWE, and yet there are some people that think it sucks. It doesn't. Up. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.